hello, 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 what's all this then? <clears throat> wow, so much for... We don't even have to worry about a cold open now, do we? But then you hit record and you're out the door Anyway Our whole relationship is a CD skipping away Crush on the ray Welcome to episode 12 of season 2 of Crush on Radio. Of? Yes. Yep. A, a landmark. I think this is actually the first time we've actually done a show two weeks after the last one in forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My goodness, we're finally somewhat on a schedule again. Yay! So... <laughs> As always, I'm I'm Rich, Rich Anderson. I'm joined uh, by Matt Keeley and Andrew Marvin. Mm-hmm. Hi. Said, say hello, Andrew. Oh, hi. I'm sorry. I said mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and I think <laughs> Matt talked over you there. Yes. Oh, sorry. It's what Story I do of my best. Life. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we got a, we got an action-packed uh, episode today. Um, be, before we go into the picks, though, I do want to uh, give a congratulations and a shout-out Uh Gentleman uh, na- I know named uh, who goes by the stage name Mean Maline uh, deserves some congratulations. He won the World Air Guitar Championships on Friday, and I will include a link in the show notes to his round one and round two performances. It actually came down to an air off between him and another American guitarist, Doug the Thunder Struck, and I can't find a video of that unfortunately. But uh, I had the I had the distinct pleasure of sharing a stage with uh, with Mr. Maline uh, back in July and. He's a very nice fella and a hell of an air guitarist. Nice. Yeah. So congratulations. He is the best air guitarist in the world for this year. Wow. Yeah. That's quite a distinction. I'll say. You know, he was up against some serious competition. I was watching the live stream from Finland at work on Friday because I can I have a job where I can get away with that. <laughs> Although I, I guess it probably helps if you don't admit to it. <laughs> no, too late for that. Yeah. That's really great too. Like they have all these like pens and paper clips that are just free for the taking and <laughs> take stuff from work. It's the best way to feel better about your job. Never buy pens or pencils or foot or paper clips. Take them from work. Ah, uh, King Missile. <laughs> I gotta pick one of their albums for a show in the future. That'd be awesome. Yeah, one day. But uh, I do have a, an album I need to talk about this week. But yeah, we all have we all have picks, don't we? Um, yes. I think yeah. that's normally how it works. Yeah. <laughs> we do this so infrequently. Sometimes I forget. <laughs> so uh, I guess I'm leading off this week. Hit it. All right. My pick this week is the landmark second album by post-punk pioneers Public Image Limited. The album is called Metal Box, and I hope you uh, appreciate the uh, the lengths I went to to get this to you. The, the uh, it's an actual 12-inch metal. Well, it's more like a film canister with three 12-inch. Uh, records in it that so yeah that, that it's not cheap I hope you you both you all appreciate the incredible packaging of the physical copies I sent you thank you <laughs> totally yes so much so and uh, and and if you take this canister apart it makes some really nice like uh uh drum symbols <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like three frisbees inside it's awesome <laughs> 
It's the most fun I've ever had. I'm, I'm, I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Did I break you? <laughs> I think so. Okay. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, so this is this is one of the, the landmark albums of the post-punk period. Um, Public Image Limited is the second band fronted by uh, some fellow known, named Johnny Lydon, better known as Johnny Rotten. And uh, well, let's 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 hear a little a song from this, just so just so we can all have have our bearings, and give me some time to recover. This this is a song called Pop Tones, which is not. So um, yeah, this this is a, a very intense, very you know, it, it's post, a little bit of post punk, a little bit of dub reggae, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, um, all across three forty five, twelve inch forty fives, uh, or one CD. And um, one reason why I chose Pop Tones too is because there was a great video of uh, Public Image Limited on American Bandstand uh, when the album came out. I think it was seventy nine. Don't hold me to that, but. Uh, they go on American Bandstand doing the the miming and lip syncing thing, except Johnny Rotten wants none of it, so he just runs in the audience and starts grabbing people and th- dragging them up on stage so they can start dancing while the rest of the band plays gamely on, pretending to play their instruments, and Johnny doesn't even bother singing. <laughs> and they do both uh, careering and pop tones, and it's actually really, really awesome. So, um, I like that uh, the, there's a story about uh, Zappa on, I think also on American Bandstand, if uh, at any rate, you know, one of those shows where, you know, you're miming and they're doing um, uh, uh, Son of Susie Cream Cheese, I believe. And whenever they go to um, like cut to Frank Zappa, instead of, you know, lip syncing along, he's just going motherfucker, 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 motherfucker. <laughs> Supposedly there's a video of Devo on a TV show where they're all where they're miming, but they're all on the wrong instruments. <laughs> I, I can't imagine, I don't know the details of that. I have to maybe ask someone on Spud Talk, but like, yeah. I'm guessing like, it would probably, Jerry would probably be the one on drums because he also plays drums and I don't know where everyone else would be. But yeah, they're yeah. all, supposedly they're all on the wrong instruments because it's, it's a mining performance. Who cares? Right, yeah. The, the, we're not, the, my favorite is the one where it's, the, the band is, there's a video of Nirvana doing Smells Like Tame Spirit and, uh, the the band is miming, but Kurt's actually singing, and when he's singing, yeah, this fake deep, you know, it's hilarious. <laughs> so so he's singing to like an instrumental mime track, or yeah, but you know the band's Aww. the band's miming too, but yeah, you know, Kurt's the, the vocals are live, and Kurt's just like, yeah. I mean, you can't understand him even when he's doing it normally, but he's just like this ridiculously fake deep voice going on. It's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, the, the record, um, yeah, this is, this is one of those, uh, this is a great bass record. So I hope, uh, Andrew, you, you enjoyed it because it is. Yeah. Yeah. Jaw wobble has this incredible bass, pl- is an incredible bass player. And there's just, um, 
yeah, it's it's all over this record. Um, so I, I think I've I've said my piece, but uh, no, it's 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 difficult. It's not exactly easy listening, but I, I hope you appreciated it, guys. I did. Um, this is my first exposure to anything Johnny Rotten has done. Um, and I just so I, you know, the Sex Pistols sound nothing like this. Yeah, well, I think I've heard very little Sex Pistols too, but isn't the vocal sort of style the same, similar? No, no, not at all. No. Even though it's the same guy? Right. It's completely different. Yeah, the Sex Pistols is all, you know, punk vocals. I wanna die anarchy. Ah. And, you know, um, you know, in public image, it's, well, there were some, some of their stuff has a slightly more punky vocal style, like uh, This Is Not A Love Song, which is uh, a later single. Yeah. This is not a love song. But, uh, <laughs> no, this is all very different. Gotcha. Okay, my mistake. Um, so yeah, I think I put this when I put this on. I um, what's the first song called? Ambas- Albatross. Yes. Yeah. So I put. Uh, and no, it doesn't come with wafers. <laughs> <laughs> so I put that on without looking at the length of the track, and you know, I was enjoying the music, particularly because it was very bass heavy, um, which makes me feel a sort of kinship to it right away. And then it. It was like five minutes in, and I was like, "What is going on? This song is still happening." And then I found out it was like ten minutes long. But anyway, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think the the presence of Jaw Wobble, whom I only really know um, vaguely through his association with Bill Laswell. I don't even remember what they did together. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, the vocals were kind of were a little harsh to my ears, but um, I appreciated the music underneath particularly because of Jaw Wobble's playing and I didn't even know this guy was this is kind of racist but I didn't know he was from England I um you know so I just read looked up his Wikipedia page so I have uh, been meaning to check more of him out so I was surprised to find him on a Richard J Anderson pick for the show so I dig good Matt uh, for me like um I really dug the music um I like the um the really like dub influence on it like, cause I mean, that, like that, that, that kind of like dub reggae sound is all over it. And dub is the only kind of reggae that I can tolerate really. <laughs> but like, and I, I, I really dig the Sex Pistols. Um, I, I don't, I don't care if that kind of makes me square because they are kind of like one of the, you know, the touchstones of punk. And I think a lot of times people think of them as kind of more fake punk just because, I mean, they were a, um, a, a fake band from the beginning with from you know Malcolm Malcolm McLaren and all, but yeah, they're sort of I, like the the punk equivalent of a boy band, except that they actually played their instruments, except for Sid. Right, right. But I I, I think that you know I mean like I I think they've done you know some great stuff. Like I mean, I I, I really like the uh, great rock and roll swindle re- record actually. You know, which I think is kind of a weird one to really be into, but whatever. <laughs> but um, for me, like I I I I've I, w- I also wasn't expecting the uh, the uh, vocals to be a different style, which is why I always found because I haven't really sat down and listened to much uh, uh, Public Image Limited, so it's sort of like I always thought it was like kind of weird to have like you know Johnny Rotten fronting like a post punk band because I was still kind of basically more or less expecting Sex Pistol style vocal, you know. And I have to say, I like the Sex Pistols style vocal a lot better than the kind of weird crooning thing that he does. <laughs> you might like some of the some of the other later Sex, I mean, Public Image stuff. Uh, there's a uh, 
this is not a love song has a less croony vocal um yeah that's one of that was probably their most famous single there's uh the song rise which is uh also very good um yeah you know it's not all just like kind of crooning but uh yeah it's definitely it, it none of it's quite like the sex pistols so yeah 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 i i just think it was kind of funny that like i mean it seemed like part of the the whole um johnny rotten thing with like the sex pistols is that he couldn't really sing so it's sort of like interesting that he's trying to sing on this <laughs> and i mean i and i i mean that's not necessarily a slam i mean because like i mean that it really works with like stuff like the sex pistols but here it's a little weird i guess i don't know it just doesn't quite it doesn't quite gel for me on at least on metal box but like the music is so good and interesting that i'm like actually you know I would like to check out more uh, Public Image Limited. I just need to, you know, actually check it out and also, you know, get over the weird crooning thing. But as if he stops it, it's you know, yeah. If he if he knocks that shit off, it's it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I definitely recommend for both of you to check out the song. This is not a love song, and it it it's not a love song. Just so you know. <laughs> so. That that's again their most famous one, but you know, Metal Box is probably their most famous record, three records, thing album. It's on one CD. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and doesn't the CD actually come in a, a Metal Box too now? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. There was like because th- the original Metal Box was just a UK release when they put it out in the states. They 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 put it all onto like uh, two LPs and called it uh, Second Edition, mm. which because the first album was called First Issue. Um, oh, okay. So. Um, yeah, and they also reordered a little bit, but it, it we could go into it's it's another UK US track listing thing. That's like, I want to hear these records the way they were originally created, or at least in the original track order. You know, I, I want, I don't want you to clean it up and chop it up and reorder it for me because I'm an American. Yeah, At, like um, th- this might be a diversion, but um, like, can you think of any that have actually been improved by the um slicing and dicing? No. I actually can. I, I actually like um, much prefer the U.S. version of the Vapors' Nuclear Days over the U.K. version. Like I think I think the U.S. version actually flows a lot better. Where the U.K. version, which like I have to say, I mean I, I do wish that the U.S. version had included um, Cold War in America because those are great songs. But it for me like it just doesn't flow as well. The U.K. version, I mean, so. Mm. I've heard some people say they prefer the American version of the first Cure record, but uh, I, I, I want to hear it the way it was originally released. I'm just, I'm anal like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I fully admit to with my love of the American version of the Vapors record, it could be that being an American, that's the, you know, the version that I first heard and grew up with, you know, so. I mean, I understand, like, if you grew up with, like, the the Capitol Records version of the Beatles albums... You know, you, yeah, you, you you prefer those to the UK versions, but uh, I I I I came of age uh, in the age of the original '87 Beatles CD releases, which were all UK versions. Right, and well, to me though, I mean, like you know, because my my mom had a bunch of the Capital ones, especially the early ones, you know, and I I still prefer the UK Beatles records. I they they just seem to make more sense. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The the capital ones. I mean, even with the early ones, where there were more of like just like, here are some songs before they really got into the art of the album. It just seemed more. Well, let, let, let's just you know 
take a chainsaw to it and throw them up in the air and then whatever piles come down, you know, we'll have and that'll be an album. <laughs> yeah, stupid American teenagers, they don't care. They just want yeah. to get, they're probably just buying the shingles anyway. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, even aside from the fact that they were like, you know, cutting like tracks off of the UK albums to make, you know, make three or four albums out of two, you know. Yeah, that's also pretty dickish. Yeah. Yeah, we had the same conversation last week. We were talking briefly, or last episode, we were talking briefly about the Fatima Mansions and the American track listings of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Just goes to show how few themes we really have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you remember when I was freaking out about the American release of one of the Ponly Six albums where they were adding bonus tracks to, different bonus tracks to the American and UK releases? Ah! Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think that's, like, they've been doing that with, like, some of the more recent Poly 6 albums, which is, like, driving me kind of nuts. Ugh, what can you do? Who Andrew, what? Yes? <laughs> I think you have a pick, too, <laughs> so that Matt and I can stop talking. And sure. You can um, get your get a word in edgewise. No, that's okay. I'm a little out of my head today because I've got a uh, new semester starts tomorrow morning. Oh, oh so I'm in, uh, in work mode. Oh, yeah, I got class at 8 a.m. Hello, class. <laughs> my condolences. <laughs> I, I assume you're making this um, required listening from the syllabus. <laughs> I've thought about, you know, before I was before I ever taught in any academic capacity, I always thought that what I'm going to do is at the end of every class, I'm just going to force them to listen to a song that they've never heard before, just so that they have the exposure, you know, under the mm-hmm. guise of having the exposure and broadening their horizons. But you don't really have time when you have a curriculum that you have to get done, unfortunately. Um, but anyway. So uh, my pick this week is an album by Portugal, the man, uh, and it's called Evil Friends, and it came out this year uh, on June 4th. And this is my first exposure to pretty much anything Portugal, the man has done. I've had heard about them in the past, and um, I just knew, I think this is one of those albums I came across on RDO in the heavy rotation section, and I happened to give it a listen on a whim and found it to be very enjoyable. And the song that I picked was Creep in a T-Shirt, which is the second track off of Evil Friends. And we can play that for the first said i don't really know anything about portugal the man this is just one of the albums that i've i've gotten into this year um but it's uh they're from alaska and this is their first record with the producer who goes by the name of danger mouse i don't really know anything about him but supposedly he has a pseudonym so that means he must have significant uh studio presence um, yeah, he was he, yeah he, he he's he's famous he did he was like yeah. he's half of Norris barkley oh yeah, uh, done a lot of production. He's also in uh, well, well, Bro- the Broken Bells, which was like the guy. It was like him and the, sh- the James- guy from the Shins, right? And he did the Gray album, uh, which was like the Jay Z Beatles mashup. That was his like kind of his uh, first thing that made him famous. And but yeah, he he's he's awesome. Excellent. 
That bodes well. Um, so yeah, the record is just a very solid sort of collection of I don't even know what kind what genre it is. I guess it's Indie. Wikipedia. Yeah, Wikipedia says psychedelic pop, psychedelic rock, progressive rock. Mm, I don't know about that, but um, it's just a really solid record. Creep in a T-shirt is the song that really jumped out at me just because it's got a great chorus and a great hook. Um, that's probably going to be in my top five for our end of the, the year 2013 show. Um, and the other singles, I don't even know why Creep in a T-shirt is not a single because that's the song that is the most catchy to me. But um, the rest of the singles, Purple, Yellow, Red, and Blue, Atomic Man, Modern Jesus, all really good songs with really good hooks. And, um, you know, if you like the sort of indie rock sort of genre, um, I highly recommend this album. Um, so what do you guys think? Um, yeah, before... When you originally picked this, the episode, one of the episodes you had to miss, I yeah. actually was talking with a friend of yours, Jeffrey Inshow. And hey. he, yeah, he, uh, he, he, he recommended it highly. So that, that, uh, that, that set a good uh, expectation for, for when I sat down and listened to it. And I love it, especially Creepin' a T-shirt. That is the, that is the best song on the record, period. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's just, um, I haven't, I picked this, like Rich said, I picked this song of, probably a month ago now when um but i ended up having to miss the episode so i'm choosing it now so i've actually fallen out of listening to the record um but yeah that song is um great and it's it's a, i will say this when i first put it on I, there's that there's some the first minute or so is kind of like what the hell yeah and but after that it's okay it's that, that that first minute of that weird like synth horn round whatever the yeah. hell it is the first song is Plastic Soldiers, and it's the longest track on the record at five minutes, five seconds. And it is kind of – it's kind of weird that it's right there up front. Right. Um, I, I mean, the song yeah. itself – the song's great after that first roughly a minute because mm-hmm. there's that weird synth sound and just, like, gets in, the way, gets in the way. Yeah, I mean, I like a little a little weird prelude sort of first track. But, uh, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting choice for track one. Matthew. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I also really love this. Um, and like I kind of said on the um, the other show, it's like um, all I knew about them was that they were kind of popular with AAA and they had a terrible, terrible band name. And I actually thought it was like a guy just because, you know, Portugal, yeah. the man. So basically when you picked it and I saw like, you know, Creeping in T-shirt, I was like kind of expecting, you know, whining to work with an acoustic guitar is sort of like, you know. Girls don't really like me Cause I'm a creep in a t-shirt You wow. know, that you know that kind of thing And, it, it, you know, so when I actually listened to it, it And it was, you know, well awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was actually good But also like a band and psychedelic And because I think the psychedelic rock kind of fits the description So I was like, wait a minute, this is really awesome. They they still have a terrible band name, but like it, it you know, it, it, it's a really good record that transcends terrible band names. So I, I think I was like, yes, this is awesome. So I, I'm definitely going to have to check out more. Like, I, do they have more more than one record? Or? Oh, I'm pretty sure they do. This is their seventh full length album, according to Wikipedia. Oh, wow. Because, <laughs> yeah, like. Like they're they're new to me, like honestly, like because I mean, like I think this is like they're the only one that's actually really like broken out, or you know. Yeah, it definitely has the highest chart numbers according to the Wikipedia discography chart. Yeah, but but yeah, so I I'm definitely gonna have to pick out uh, check out their other the other six records. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, no, I, I really dug this. I, I was just sort of like, oh, wow. You know, when it actually started, I, I got a little bit of a kind of like the wax fang that I picked a, a while ago. But mm. but yeah, like that that kind of similar kind of vibe. But I, I really dug it. And I was like really surprised that I dug it just because, you know, like like I say, I mean, when, when all you know is that it's like the band name and then it's, you know, charting on AAA radio, which... Like AAA radio or adult album alternative is what it stands for. And mm-hmm. it's one where um, like about half of it I re- really like and half of it I really hate because half of it is like cool, weird stuff like this. And the other half is the, you know, whining dude with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk a little bit about the band name and how terrible it is? Well, <laughs> for those, excuse me, those that can't see it, there's a period after the word Portugal. So it's Portugal, period, uppercase, the man. And does man have a period after it, too? I don't know. No, it does not. That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's Portugal, the man. If it was just Portugal, the man, no no punctuation involved, they would be just meh. Yeah, it, it would be a, a, a generic bad band name. Yeah. Portugal, period, the man. Portugal, long pause, the man. That's awkward as hell. Yeah, I don't know. I if mean, you what would be slightly? What 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 would make? I if it was Portugal, comma the man, that would be man. I mean, I think Portugal, comma the man is better than Portugal the man or Portugal the man. I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like I don't think that in this case, grammatically speaking, you need to pronounce the period. Like, I don't know if anybody is going to really say, "Hey, I was listening to Portugal the man yesterday." You know, you would just say Portugal the Man. So I feel like it's more just a stylistic visual thing. I don't know why. But, I mean, a so, comma uh, is definitely more cr- grammatically correct. Um, I don't yeah. know. It's weird. So, remember, yeah. we're nerds, okay? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just wondering if anyone, like, because uh, doesn't uh, Godspeed, You Black Emperor, change their punctuation like every album? I think they do. Because I, mean, I know, I think, the, I think the most famous one is Godspeed, You Black Emperor. But uh, that's because that's how I usually see it, but see it stylized. But yeah, Wikipedia's entry on Godspeed, you Black Emperor is Godspeed, you exclamation point, Black Emperor, parentheses, formerly punctuated Godspeed, you Black Emperor with the exclamation point at the end and commonly referred to as just Godspeed or God's P or abbreviated G-Y-B-E or G-Y exclamation point (laughs) B-E. I love how like like in depth it is and. Yeah. <laughs> considering considering the kind of people who are fans of Godspeed You Black Emperor, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I haven't um I know Merlin has posted about them in the Pat Merlin Man Internet Heavyweight. Um has posted about them in the past, but I have not given them any listen. Is, are they worth the experience? If you're into like twenty minute rock songs that are actually that sound like a five minute rock song that have been stretched out to twenty minutes. Hmm. <laughs> uh, it it's it, they're very like sparse and atmospheric and yeah. Um, I I I've given up on post rock. I had a couple of their albums, uh, a few post rock records in my collection, and just like never really bothered listening to them. I think the only band I still have in my collection that would be considered post rock is uh, uh oh, I never I can never remember how to pronounce their name properly. Sigur Ross. Oh yeah, mm. I just say Sugar Ross in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, those Icelandic fellows, mm. <laughs> the the ones who had a, a song on the the Life Aquatic soundtrack, artificially sweetened. But uh, uh, I think that's the only. I don't know if they're really post rock. I've I've heard them lumped in there, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I've heard actually like Stereo Lab listed as post rock, which I don't know if I really buy, but like Stereo Lab are awesome. But it, like the the thing is, I mean, Stereo Lab for the most part, you know, I mean, there's like a few exceptions, like you know, Jenny Andioline, but for the most part, it, they seem to be kind of in that sort of pop song structure of you know three to five minute long songs. Like they don't really do like the whole like. 20 minute long workout thing that I think is kind of a hallmark of a lot of post rock. Right. And let's, and and let's not confuse like 20 minute workout with like a a 20 minute prog rock song that has like, you know, five different sex, you know, parts that all flow into each other. Sure. Yeah. No, it's just post rock songs are just like, yeah, (laughs) kind of droney sort of deal. I mean, and I don't even mean like, you know, kraut rock droney. I mean like droney drone drone. (laughs) Yeah. The word drone has gone convinced. It's just, just completely lost all meaning to me now. (laughs) Yeah, I I have to say, like, I've never really been that into post-rock. Like, once in a while, like, I'll find, like, a a band that's kind of cool. Like, sometimes Tortoise can be kind of cool, but sometimes they're just kind of (laughs) boring. And, yeah, I don't know. I, like, I I, kind of think, like, because I I really do see Stereolab lumped in with that a lot, and I don't get it. I, I tend to think of it as sort of, like, how emo for a really long time was basically you know, Weezer and a bunch of bands that sound nothing like Weezer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think of post-rock as Stereolab and a bunch of bands that sound nothing like Stereolab. <laughs> well, that got sidetracked quick. Like <laughs> <laughs> it. All right. Uh, so we've got a, you've got a pick, don't you? Yes. And this is, this is one that I've actually kind of surprised that I never picked until now. Just because it's one of my favorite records, and it has been since I've been in high school. And I mean, like, I I wrote a long thing of it that you know for Kitty Seas, which is in the uh, show notes a long time ago, which was actually cannibalized from a thing that I was writing for Todd Crow, which was the original like pre Kitty Seas thing, you know. So like, I, I'm looking at the date now. Apparently, that the review went live on in uh, June of 2007 on Kitty Sneezes. Which is kind of weird that Kitty Sneezes has been around that long, too. But there you go. <laughs> Seems like only yesterday. Yes. <laughs> I, li- I like, too, that I've, like, there's, there's been articles that I've completely forgotten about on Kitty Sneezes that will sometimes like come up in the little potpourri thing. And I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> anyway, this is, the review of this is not one of them because, like I said, it's one of my favorite albums. And uh, it is called The Official Secrets Act. And the uh, band uh, that did it is called M. Uh, that's just the letter M, no numeral two. Um, uh, you may you might know M from the song "Pop Music." That was his uh, biggest hit from 1979. The uh, you know uh, New York, London, Paris, Munich. Everybody talk about pop music. Talk about pop music. Talk about pop music. That one. Um, <laughs> I think also, I might have heard of that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, there there's a French guy who now goes by M, uh, who did the score to um, Triplets of Belleville, which is a great movie, and it was a great score, but, like, fuck you, you're not M. <laughs> That's what I say. And, I, and it just kind of bugged me that he started going by M, because it's sort of like, you know, the real M had a massive, massive worldwide hit, and I think, the, I think his third album was only released in France. So, dude, you should fucking know not to steal M's name or letter or whatever. But that's a that that. Well, if that, he's French, then it's more like. Mm. <laughs> he 
<laughs> he, he's he's making poop noises. <laughs> but um, anyway, though, enough of the sidetracks before the hook. Let's get into sidetracks after the hook. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I I chose uh, relax as the hook, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, you did. yeah. You're right. Okay, good, good. Well, I just remember like, what was it last time when I was all like, oh, and I chose this as the hook, and you were like, no, no. no. <laughs> so I, I chose. Relax. We know better what you pick than you do. <laughs> yes, uh, the thing is, you usually do. <laughs> Nate, uh, that's that, that. Play the song. <laughs> yes. So let's let's hear a little bit of relax right now. Yeah, I, I just love this album to bits, and it's it's kind of funny, too, because, like, for the longest time, you could find it, and you might still be able to. I, 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 I've stopped looking because I've I've got a lot of the M vinyl already, but, like, for a long time, like, pretty much any record store you walked into, at least in Seattle, would have at least one copy, usually, like, two or three for, like, two bucks per, and in, in good shape, you know? And that was where I, I bought it. I bought my copy just because I was, like, well, that pop music song is really good. Let me, and this is $2, so let me pick it up. And I put it on uh, and just fell in love with it immediately. Um, so if, if you are in, the, in record stores and have a turntable, check the miscellaneous M section for this one and you know pick it up for whatever they have it for, which is, again, probably two bucks, and do it because it's a great record. But it's like, basically, this sort, the, the thing that I love about it is that it's, it's a it's a kind of a concept album about you know an oppressive government and it's just really really paranoid and i just love that sound and there's like so many great atmospheric things like the uh the opening track transmission where you have like the the kind of cool groove and the 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 static and you have the the samples like you know like the one that i always like is like Oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna strip the quote, but it's like a. I always love the American sense of humor. Maybe maybe they actually went to the moon after all, <laughs> and just stuff like that. And then you have like really great song, like just pop songs, like uh, "Join the Party," which is when I the 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 one I was almost picked, or "Relax," um, or even "Official Secrets," the the title the title track. Um, but then you also have these like really cool atmospheric ones, like like the aforementioned uh, transmission, or there's uh, Mayday slash Mater. Um, if you look at the like with the CD of it uh, on the track listing, it says uh, Mayday. But if you uh, look at the uh, actual LP sleeve, it says Mater. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I usually go by uh, call it Mater because especially t- you know because that's what they're singing in the the track too, but. But, um, yeah, I, I just love this album to bits. Um, and the, there's a CD version that I, that I actually do recommend more than the LP just because it has a bunch of really good bonus tracks. 
and I don't know if either of you listened to it, but um, one of my favorite tracks on on the CD edition is um, "Don't Believe What the Papers Say: uh, The Bride of Fortune," where it's like has like it, it, the the prelude is this like really cool vocal cut up track of you know just M say or Robin Scott uh, saying uh, "Don't Believe What the Papers Say," and then it goes into this really great pop song um, that's hella sexy and fun, but just really good and not not terribly paranoid which mm-hmm. you know it's probably why it wasn't on the actual real album but but yeah like i i just love the dense paranoia that comes out of the original lp and yeah so uh i i just love this album please tell me you at least liked it <laughs> i definitely did um i like the strings on relax quite a bit Yes, the strings yeah. are awesome. The strings are really good. And there was a one section on Join the Party. I forget. I guess it's a synth. There's like a synth break somewhere in here. I don't know, but I enjoyed that part too. So yeah, I definitely like the whole the record as a whole. I didn't really get to dive into the bonus tracks too much, but I'm definitely going to. I'm listening to Don't Believe What the Papers Say right now, and it sounds good. Cool. Yeah, like um, with the bonus tracks on that, there are a couple that are... Um, uh, from a solo single by uh, Bridget Novick, who was who's uh, the uh, the female vocalist on all the M stuff, mm-hmm. and they're very pastoral and completely different. So that that'll be a little bit of a um, sidetrack for you. <laughs> like, I mean, they're still produced by um, Robin Scott and everything, mm-hmm. uh, who basically is M. Mm, pardon, who is M? But it's very very different than all the other M stuff. So, but it's still really I, – I, I actually like uh, those ones quite a bit, but they are going to be a, a, a bit of a, of a curveball there. Yeah. As, as can happen with bonus tracks. And, yeah, I uh, don't believe what the papers say. The Bride of Fortune is actually the first song of this uh, of this album I heard because you stuck it on a mix CD for me way back when. Yeah, I, I, I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I miss those days. Um, But, uh, yeah. Where was I? I you know, it's interesting. Interesting, Mitchell, like the ambient, you know, noisy, uh, cut-up tracks. It's sort of like a stylistic precursor to OMD's uh, Dazzle Ships in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if I like this quite as much as you do, but I mean, when Relax didn't really grab, it, it's just a little too too hectic and noisy for me. But uh, Join the Party's great, and you know, there's some great stuff on here. I think I, I think my favorite album of his is still uh, New York, London, Paris, Munich. Yeah, that's a great album too. Like uh, his third album, uh, "Famous Last Words," um, is okay, but it's it's not as great as the other two. Um, it was never released in America, and I think, like I said, I think it might have only been released in France. Uh, I mean, I know Wasn't it had Thomas like, Dolby on that record too. Yes, yes, he was. And there's like, I mean, there's actually some you know like really pretty you know, if you look at the uh, M band lineups, there's you know some really you know interesting people like. Uh, I know uh, most of Level 42 was backing him up on, uh, actually, I think pretty much all three albums. And on uh, Famous Last Words, uh, there's a track with uh, Ryuichi Sakamoto, I believe. Um, yeah, it's just like, I, I, that, that's the cool thing is, like, I think a lot of like really cool people kind of like twigged to him and dug and got what he was doing. So even though, you know, after pop music, the the rest of the world kind of passed him by, I guess, for whatever whatever dumb reason. Like I think I think kind of the right people got it. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll buy that, but... Okay. But, it's... Yeah, I don't... Just something about this one just didn't quite grab me as much as New York, London, Paris, Munich. It's still a great record, and... Yeah, you know, a song about, you know, an oppressive government coming from a British person... Yeah, that that can't possibly have any basis in anything that happened in reality, certain, certainly if it came out in 1980. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. <laughs> and it certainly has no relevance to uh, to us in the modern era. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> but I, I don't know. The, the thing that I love about the album, too, is it sounds very claustrophobic. I mean, did, do you get that kind of feel, too? or? Oh, so yeah, especially on Relax. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it Relax almost... Says, you know, feels kind of like the film Brazil to me. Like I, I usually think of you know, like the ending of Brazil when I listen to that song. Yeah, I've only ever seen parts of Brazil. Oh my God, what are you doing recording a fucking podcast? Go, go watch <laughs> Brazil right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and like, I gotta, I gotta track down a copy, and it's, and I, and I specifically need to. I know I need to track down the the director's cut version of it that didn't have the happy ending yeah um actually the that one is uh only the the only one is uh you'll see that is on the criterion disc as a bonus feature and if you watched on tv um the the if you um i mean I, I would recommend going for the the criterion set of course just because it's criterion but um and this is one of the the best errors um out there the normal universal dvd of it actually by a fluke features the director's cut by accident so if you don't want to spend the uh you know the the thirty or forty dollars that the uh the Criterion set is, uh you can at least you know pick up or rent the uh the Universal DVD. I can also see what they have on iTunes. Oh yeah, I, I would assume that it's probably the same that that same Universal cut or the same director's cut. Oh, looking now, looking now, go movies Brazil nineteen eighty five. If it's ninety minutes run, because that's the that's the love conquers all edit, but <laughs> uh, two hours and eleven minutes. Yes, that 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 I believe is the director's cut. Okay, mental note. So and and if not, I mean it's it's the it's the close enough cut that it's the final U.S. cut. If if it's not just which is very close enough to you know his vision. Mm. And I, I mean, I, I know that you should always go with, you know, the director's vision, but I mean, that one is like, that one won't steer you wrong. You'll, you'll actually still be watching Brazil with that one. You won't be like watching some piece of shit. <laughs> wow, we've still got actually, plenty. Of, we got plenty of time here. Anyone have anything else to talk about? I, uh, I, I actually do have a Brazil story. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, I know that this is, this isn't crushed on Brazil, but whatever. Um, that it's kind of funny because like in high school, I, um, Wanted to see uh, Brazil really bad because there's my friend Reed who is basically kind of like the arbiter of cool. Like he was all, you know, he was like basically like one of those guys who just seemed to know like lots of cool things to check out. And he was also very, I mean, very, you know, cool and nice. It wasn't just like, you know, all like, you know, you need to check this out because I'm the cool kid or anything. It's just, you know, he was just like, dude, this is really awesome. And like it's because of him that I like read Haruki Murakami for the first time or saw Dr. Strangelove, you know, or, you know, so many other things like that. But anyway, though, he had always talked about Brazil being cool. And one time really late at night, like uh, TBS was running Brazil. Uh, Of course, at this time, I did not know anything about like the whole, the battle between the cuts and everything like this. 
And so it turns out that being unbeknownst to me that this was the going to be the uh, Love Conquers All edit. Um, but the thing is, is that uh, it was really late at night, so I was watching it with the the volume down, so I didn't wake up my my parents. But the thing is, is that TBS had screwed up the audio, and so the um, the tracks were backwards. So the all of the background noises and stuff were really really loud, and all the dialogue was really really quiet. So after about you know five ten minutes, I gave up because it was it, I couldn't. I'd either I'd have to ride the volume because again this is like you know midnight you know so TBS's incompetence saved me from seeing the bad version of Brazil for the very first time and being exposed to Brazil through the bad version. Nice, nice save. Oh, can I talk a little bit about uh, Per Ubu and their visa troubles? Sure. Oh yes, that's yeah. actually pretty interesting. Okay, yeah, to wrench this back to music briefly, we, we need to add what a time of discussion. I'm seeing Per Ubu uh, in a couple weeks, uh, and I honestly cannot wait because I have I have a sneaking suspicion that I might not ever get to see Per Ubu in, uh, in, a, in a format fronted by David Thomas ever again. Uh, I had a chance to see Rocket from the Tombs, his other, the band that was the precursor to Per Ubu uh, about two years ago, and David Thomas, who originally went by the stage name Crocus Behemoth, was a six-foot-tall, 300-pound, very big dude. And if you look up in, like, videos of Perubu in their prime, like, there's the... If, remember Erg and Music War? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah you, Perubu was in that, and, you know, David Thomas was the only... basically the only fat guy in the film. <laughs> I'm sure you remember him now. Yeah. <laughs> um, now he looks like a grizzled old 1890s prospector. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, he... When I saw Rock in the Tomb, so it's a great show, don't get me wrong, but, you know, David spent most of the time standing very still and reading, you know, he had a music stand with, I think, lyric sheets on them for, for his uh, help. Not that, you know, it didn't seem like he was reading off the sheets, he, you know, he was actually singing, but during the songs when he wasn't singing, he was just sitting down, sucking down beer cans. Um, but anyway, uh, so this is this might be my only chance to ever see Perry Rupert with David Thomas, and they had some visa issues. Named, you know, two, a couple of their members are British. Um, and the, first of all, they were denied visas because someone was like saying they wanted to know that Perubu was a band of artistic renown. It's like, we put out, uh, 20 albums on seven labels. We've been around for 40 years. Mm -hmm. I, you know, what more do you want from us? (laughs) Yeah. Read a fucking book. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know you guys didn't really like Perubu, but you you can push, you understand that they're not oh, like a fly by night operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like I, I've I kind of you know like them, but I, but but yeah, even before you know, even if even if I like hated them, I'd be like, no, they're this is a real deal. This is like a legit thing, you know. Yeah. So uh, eventually, it was like, okay, fine. Uh, we to uh, get your visa, you need to just. Uh, Talk to this guy at the American Federation of Musicians and gave him three hundred dollars to uh, for a consultation, and that's when basically uh, David Thomas was like, "Fuck you, three hundred dollars." And the worst part is, like, the uh, guitar player came to the U.S. on their last tour, uh, the U.S., which God knows when that was, but uh, <laughs> and he didn't need to. They didn't need to pay anyone from the American Federation of Musicians for a consultation. Then he got the visa, no trouble. So, yeah, you know, so like, really? 300 fucking dollars? Yeah, never mind that, you know, they could have gotten their fan. And they even said, like, don't send us money. This is a matter of principle. Mm-hmm. Not that, we, you know, I know it's only $300. We don't, we can afford it. And 
if we could probably raise it in half an hour from our fans, but we don't want it. You know, so, you know, props them for being principled. Uh, turns, and, and long story short, you know, they decided to, like, say, you know, hang the sense, hang the whole thing. They found a, an American guitar player, which is going to be an interesting thing because the, the album they're touring for was kind of, like, improvised. And that's oh. this very improv-heavy show that they're touring. So, you know, just, like, bringing in another guitar player isn't, doesn't exactly make it, uh, it, it, it's not just, like, an easy thing. It's not like, you know, swap this guy after this guy. Wow. Yeah. And they're going to have their uh, synthesizer player who also couldn't get a visa. Yeah, they have two synthesizer players. Now they're down to one. That The other one's going to do a remote performance over wireless internet, apparently. <laughs> so that should be an interesting thing. But, yeah, that, that's just crazy that you have to basically pay $300 extortion just to get a visa for a guitar player who made it to this country before. And all this other bullshit. Yeah, I, I'm like, I mean, is it ba- is it basically the ship has sailed that that whatever bureau- petty bureaucrat or whatever that denied the guitarist is like, nope, nope. Yeah, the huh. ship has sailed because they've officially booked the other uh, guitar player, and you know they're probably doing rehearsals or something, and they're gonna be touring in a, in, a, in inside of a week. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I do like the idea of, of like the the keyboard is phoning in through Skype or whatever, though. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll report back on our show on the 22nd because it's uh, that's that's the show after we uh, that's that'll be the next show we do after the concert. So mm, cool. But yeah, it's I'm looking forward to it. I, they, 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 they put on from my understanding, they put on an interesting show um, even nowadays. So. Mm. Yeah, in fact, uh, I, the, the, the most recent album I've been holding off on making a pick, uh, because I know, I don't know if you folks will like it. I, I'll, I'll probably pick it eventually. Mm-hmm. You have Wait, to one, hear it. Uh, one question I had is, like, uh, you said that this might be your last time to see Perubu with uh, David Thomas. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what, isn't he basically just Perubu, though? I mean, like, could they tour without him? Because, I mean, it seems like he's sort of, you know... Perubu's been like this rotating cast of people around David Thomas, and and, and a while back on their website, uh, and basically Davey even said he was training one of their current members to basically take over as singer if necessary. Ah, huh. So you know, it, it's there. It's not a band in the traditional sense. It, it's even like in the earliest days, there was like this revolving door of members, people who like left and came back and left and came back, and mm. so like uh, Eric I'll, Drew Feldman or Tony Mamoni. Yeah. Uh, well, Eric Drew Feldman never didn't come back, but <laughs> yeah, oh, he was, oh, he 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 like left for good. Yeah, I mean, ah. I, I think they're like on a on good terms, but you know but, that's good. Yeah, looking here, P- Perubu timeline. Yeah, Perubu one point oh nineteen seventy five one point one two point oh. Yeah, by the time uh by by the end of their first run in nineteen eighty two, they had gone through uh one two three four five six seven. Eight lineups. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, yeah, some with minor changes. But yeah, yeah. Eric Dufeld, Eric Dufeldman joined uh, Perubu version five point one in nineteen eighty nine, and he was with them until nineteen ninety eight, until March ninety two. Apparently, wow. It's funny because I always thought he was uh, part of Perubu earlier, just because like that's like I, I mean I, I think he's a great keyboardist, um, but it seems that like he's like usually mentioned as being, you know, a former Per Ubu guy rather than all the other people that he has worked with, including like the Pixies or Snakefinger or 
you know, I think Beefheart. Yeah. Perry was, I think, by one, it might be one of the bigger names that he's been involved with, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so now that, now that we've uh, padded out the episode a little bit, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we've, got, we've got some picks that we need to talk about for, for next week. Yep. Love pads the film. <laughs> so, um, uh, I guess I'll, I'll, t- I'll name my pick first. Uh, my pick for the next episode will be an album that isn't out yet. Ooh. What? Yes, <laughs> the album doesn't come out for another two days. So I don't have it yet, but I'm picking it anyway. And the album is called Right Thoughts, Right, right Words, Right Action by Franz Ferdinand. That's not the uh, ex-Archduke. That's the band. Mm-hmm. So uh, please don't go trying to shoot the band and start another world war. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one, too. Like, the singles that have been released have been amazing, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know what song I'm picking from that, but uh, you'll, you'll know when I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I'm picking um, one of the classics of um, the original run of punk that is... Uh, X-Ray Specs, Germ-Free Adolescence. And uh, if you want a particular track uh, to, to listen to and dig, uh, go with Identity is the Crisis Can't You See. Identity. Rest, rest I- in peace, polystyrene. Yes. Very nice. Andrew. And uh, I know you guys are going to be happy with me, but I got to do it. So I'm going to be talking about the new uh, John Mayer album that was released last week which is called paradise valley um it's it's a pretty short record it's only 40 minutes long and you can't really go wrong with any of the tracks but wildfire is the first single um it's track one there's also a duet with girlfriend Katy perry uh called who you love which is pretty good as well um but really any of the tracks you know kind of get you the give you a sense of what it's all about so we'll that'll be next that. week <laughs> you you just don't know how to sell this one, do you? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, we're gonna talk about this next week, but it's um, <laughs> yeah, I can't really. I'm not gonna be able to help you guys at all, but it's okay. Oh. John Mayer and Katy Perry, awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't listen to any of Katy Perry's music, but you know. But she sings, and this is what I was going to say next week, but she sings in her regular voice, which sounds at least listenable <laughs> as opposed to in, you know, whatever her, um, in on her albums, you know, with whatever, whatever editing or auto-tuning or whatever. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give it a chance. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a nice try, but... That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Fair, <laughs> fair warning, that, that... You're, you're, you are going to have to hear that new pair of album sometime in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so where can we find each other on the internets? <laughs> I'm at kittysneezes.com, Kitty Sneezes on the Tumblr, on the Twitter, and uh rev me on the last FM. Uh andrewmarvin.net is my website, and you can find me as Andrew Marvin on most social networks, including Twitter and Last FM. Yep. I am Sandspoint.com, Sandspoint on the Twitter and the Tumblr and the, well not, not on the Tumblr, on the I'm Water Breathman on the Tumblr, but uh on Sandspoint on the Twitter and the Last FM and the AppNet and the this and the that and the next thing. And we are, of course, CrushOnRadio.com. CrushOnRadio on the Twitter. We don't have an app.net yet. Uh, oh, I thought you set that up. No, not yet. Oh, okay. I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are Crush on Radio on the iTunes. You can leave us a review now that we're somewhat on a schedule again. Woo! You know, p- please love us. 
love us. Uh, lick us. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> we'll lick you. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Lay, <laughs> <laughs>